What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to the first edition of A Review to a Kill, a podcast that we kind of decided to do on a whim a little bit here, and we're going to get into that in a little moment here. First things first, I need to introduce who we are. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me uh, for this edition and this uh, series and this endeavor, I've got Robert E. Felice. Hey, hey. And Callum Wiggins for the first time on Fanboys. Yes, uh, breaking my blue brown virginity here. <laughs> yes. We needed a British guy for this series, is what happened. <laughs> that is true. Um, what we're doing here is, uh, you know, there's uh, supposed to have been a Bond movie coming out like uh, a year or two or what feels like five ago called No Time to Die. And it doesn't seem like uh, that's happening all that often. Uh, you might as well change the name from No Time to Die to No Time to Release because this movie keeps getting pushed back. And now it's currently scheduled for April 2nd, 2021. I don't personally think that that's when it's going to come out, but we'll see. So in the meantime, uh, I've been on a pretty much a Bond kick. I've been a Bond fan for all these years, and I kind of wanted to deep dive into some of that stuff and figured these guys uh, could join me in that fun and kind of, I don't know if we would really call it like a rewatch, because it's not really rewatch. It's a rewatch for me. But you guys haven't seen all the movies, so I don't really know what we would classify it as. But it's kind of what we're talking about here. This is episode 00, which is a reference to something from Die Another Day, which I'm sure that nobody is going to classify as their favorite Bond movie. But the uh, the game plan here is this edition, we're going to just talk about what this is and how we kind of are going to approach not only the podcast and the series, but everything else along those lines. So. Um, Factoring that in, we ought to start off with just some plugs just to get it out of the way. If you are a fan of this series and you want to see us do more of anything in the future when it comes to this, then the best way to know that is to uh, drop a comment below and tell me what you think about that. And um, there's the Patreon, patreon.com slash fanboys anonymous. If you want to help support this kind of stuff and fund other types of series like this in the future. Obviously, if you are checking us out on YouTube, subscribe all over the place, hit the like button, the share button, all that stuff. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I don't really want to get too much into the whole uh, plug type thing here. I want to kind of just um, move along. But you should know what the normal plugs are. And if you don't know, start clicking around and you can follow everything all over the place. So, generally speaking, as far as the Bond series goes, how familiar with it are you guys? How would you classify yourselves uh, as far as like level of fandom, anything like that? In terms of my experience, it's, it's been a bit in and out in terms of just occasionally watching some of the original ones. Then I think I kind of hit my peak fandom of it while watching uh, Pierce Brosnan series. Cause that's obviously when I was growing up. So they're the ones that I was first introduced to. And then I watched more of the Daniel Craig stuff, and then I've dipped in and out of watching some of the ones from the Roger Moore and Sean Connery ones. It's I wouldn't say like a massive Bond fan. I'm like the like I, I like the way that it approaches the series in terms of just switching up the the main guy doing it, and so you continue the legacy while not really breaking too much from the just the overarching flow of it. So I like that. I like the action. I like the fact that it does fr throw in a lot of humor into it as well. And obviously it led to a lot of spoofs, like the Austin Powers thing as well, which is obviously very entertaining. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I would say that this is a good opportunity to try and explore and see whether a lot of it like lives up to the ones that I've seen previously. So I'm going to use this largely to dive deep into the fandom. Like Callum, most of my Bond experiences with the Daniel Craig and the Pierce Brosnan stuff, I would say uh, Casino Royale is my favorite, but I like Brosnan better as a Bond just because that's the one I grew up with. When I think of James Bond, that's the face I see. But a lot of my Bond time has come with the 007 game, you know? So this will be a nice deep dive for me. So I originally 
have no idea how I came across the series, <laughs> to be honest. I know I had seen bits and pieces of movies from when I was a kid, just from it being on like TV or like my dad probably having a movie on or whatever. He was never like a huge Bond fan. I mean, he got more into it like uh, when I got into it and everything, but that wasn't something that he turned me on to as far as being like, sit down and watch this Bond movie kind of a thing. I actually got more into it from the GoldenEye video game back in the day. Uh, I actually, funny enough, I remember a friend of mine in school going to see the movie Tomorrow Never Dies and talking about it as being the best movie he had ever seen in his entire life. And I was like, I have no idea what movie you're talking about. Because I was just, I don't know, I'm in like fifth grade at the time. And by the like by the next year my close group of friends and i are so heavily into james bond that we are making little um identification cards and classifying ourselves like different double o's i was double o six and um we had a whole like uh watch all the movies have them all on vhs Obviously, at that point, it was all the way up until Tomorrow Never Dies because uh, We're All Sun Enough had not come out yet. But I got super, super into the movies. I'm not a fan of every single one of them by any means. There's a couple that I really just don't like. And I've just been a fan pretty much ever since. I don't like... Um, I shouldn't say I don't like. I haven't played all of the games because I haven't had the system for it. So like, I never played Bloodstone. I never played the old, old timey games like there's a I think like a Goldfinger game for like Game Boy or something like th different things like that but watched all the movies at least three times a piece some of them more than anybody should watch any movie and I'm the type of person who I'm not going to be a Calvin Dyson who can tell you every little thing about every part of the movies I can't tell you the production designer stuff I, I can't tell you you know uh, a lot of things like that but I'd consider myself a, a B plus type of Bond fan. Um, I don't know if I could still do it. I used to be able to say all the Bond movies in order in one breath without thinking about what the movies were. <laughs> That's like how much of a Bond fan I am. I don't even know if I should even try it. It probably would sound ridiculous. I, uh, I would like to see you try it just because of your past experiences with breathing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's see. Doctor, never much with off Goldfinger, Thunderball, you only love twice on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Times are forever loving let die. The man with the golden gun, the spy, you love me. Moonraker for your eyes only. Octopus, you have you to a kill. Living daylights, license to kill. Golden Eye, tomorrow never dies. The world is not enough. Die another day. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, no time to die. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know why that's a skill. <laughs> you got that, and you got the. Um, my Bratwurst is the first name. It's F-R-I-T-C. My Bratwurst has the second name. It's S-C-H-N-A-C-K-E-N-P-F-E-F-F-E-R-H-A-U-S-E-N -E -E from The Simpsons. <laughs> Two things I never needed to know, and for some reason I do. So for anybody who's like, hey, how come you don't have a better job like an engineer or something? Well, I got that crap in my brain instead. So. <laughs> um, generally speaking, uh. I kind of agree with you guys about the, the Brosnan thing. Brosnan's my bond in a lot of ways, but I'm also one of those rarities where Timothy Dalton is kind of, um, if anybody's going to give Brosnan a run for my money or for his money, it's Dalton for me. I know a lot of people are not really into Dalton. And I think that he's underrated as all hell. Um, Connery's probably my number three, then more than Craig. And then, um, Lazenby, I don't count uh, Barry Nelson or David Niven or Woody Allen or any of the other people. <laughs> I've never seen Casino Royale, the uh, 60s movie. I've never seen Never Say Never Again. I tried watching both of them, and they're both just so terrible that I don't see the reason why. We're not going to be talking about them in this series because they're not real Bond films, so they don't count. Uh, I know Callum is more familiar with a lot of the Bond themes. Uh, recently you've been on like a bond theme kick uh at least yeah. a couple days ago or so it, it's very easy to get into the bond themes just because they're all i I've, i would 
it'd be hard to find, hard pressed to find just a a greater collection of just movie soundtracks that just have such a high level of consistency. It's, it, I mean, there are some which I'm not the hugest fan of, but I can't say any of them are definitively bad songs. And so I can listen to those and just get into what they do, what they're doing. The ones that are more action based, the ones that are more of like ballads. That's there's a, a good amount of variety, but they all have a distinctive fondness to it, except a couple that I know you you don't like, like um, the Octopussy one, uh, All Time High. Doesn't really sound like a Bond theme, but it's still a good song, so I can kind of forgive it. Yeah, I actually like that song quite a bit, but it definitely doesn't feel like a Bond song. <laughs> it's weird how there's a variety of... Um, you got like Goldfinger, where it's very much Shirley Bassey just being like... I mean, the end note of that she holds for like, it feels like a solid six minutes and it's bombastic as all hell. And then you go to all time high and it's just, where are you? Oh, I love you so much. Kind of a thing. And, um, I got a lot of Bond music on my collection. Uh, I, I would assume that Rob doesn't. <laughs> I have the Chris Cornell, uh, you know, my name. Cause you know, yeah, you know my name. Thank you. I have that all over my Spotify playlist because I think that is a fantastic song. And outside of that, I am still just diving into things. You showed me that Ace of Base cover that they didn't use for a Bond movie, and I thought that was really good. So there's that. Yeah, The Juvenile, for anybody who doesn't know, that uh, used to be The Golden Eye. Really good song. I really like that a lot. Um, so Bond themes are going to be a, a major element of this. Uh, what we're actually going to be doing for a review to a kill, which if you don't get, it's a pun off of a view to a kill. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is because I thought of that. And then I was just kind of like, oh, crap, now I got to do this. <laughs> I must say it's a sad day that we're starting this when uh, Tanya Roberts died. Yeah, it's a shame uh, that happened. Uh, I don't know, midway through when I was working on the graphics for this or so, I was just uh, Googling like Google news or whatever came across that. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, like out of all of the things, it's gotta be a view to a kill. Like, uh, so I don't know, maybe this is kind of like, um, kismet or something. Um, a view to a kill is one of the movies that I, I like despite how bad it is. And, um, I'm curious to kind of, um, see what you guys have to say about that when it comes down to it. This is, a uh, this is the kind of game plan that I've got going on. We might adjust this down the line in some fashion. I don't know, but I thought that what we could do here is we could not really review the movies in full because I've actually reviewed a couple of these already. I think, um, Spectre, Skyfall, License to Kill, You Only Live Twice, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I forget what else. Cause we did a, um, movie club on them before. So we've done four of the movies, maybe even five of them or so before. Um, and I've talked about a lot of them in the past in some, you know, various different ways. So I am not going to be going through every plot point of every movie. I think that people might not necessarily even want me to do that, but we're going to break down seven elements of these franchise uh, films and kind of revolving it around that. So obviously 007 elements, I like my puns, one of them is going to be the themes, the music, the title in general, that kind of stuff is all encompassing that. We're also going to talk about the Bond girls and we're going to refer to them as Bond girls. I know some people are like, you shouldn't say that anymore. That's just the name that they use now. So it's, you know, get over it. Um, Bond girls are going to be a part. The gadgets are going to be a part of it because that's a big part of almost all the movies. Some of them kind of shy away from that. The villains, the uh, overall action, the humor, and then kind of how Bond does it feel? What's the Bond of the movie? How does this person do? What Does it feel like it's a Bond movie as much as some of the other ones? Are there particular Bond moments? Like, I'll say right out of the gate, uh, one of the movies that I consider to be a straightforward, like, if I would show anybody a Bond film and trust that they would get what a lot of it is, is Goldeneye. It's my favorite. I highly doubt that rewatching all these movies again is going to change my mind about that. But that's got 
a check mark for pretty much everything. Whereas something like Quantum of Solace, maybe not as much. There's some missing elements there. I think that there's some missing elements in Doctor No, not one of my favorite ones. Um, how would you guys imagine, since you've seen some of the movies and since some of them are still sort of um, unknown, what is your idea of like a Bond film? Uh, a lot of action. Very... Uh, very testosterone driven. I feel like there's a better way to say that, but it seems like it's very much your stereotypical testosterone driven film. And I, I just imagine a lot of seduction and a lot of action. Yeah. In terms of my mindset of it, the way that it kind of fills out is like, there's the, there'll be an, an opening action sequence, which isn't sort of like super directly related to the plot of the actual movie where Bond just kills a couple of guys and does something super spectacular, then you get into the idea of what the plot is going to be around, whether it's just like an exposition on the bad guys or, or uh, especially more recent with the Daniel Craig stuff, it's more based around the idea of Bond is either reckless or Bond is past it or anything along those lines, <laughs> some sort of exposition around about those. Then you see Bond kill henchmen and probably like the, the mid-game boss at some point in the middle of it. He... Uh, seduces and does stuff with a Bond girl that's not the actual Bond girl and then later on it's the actual Bond girl afterwards but and then you get the final epic scene with the like taking down the main villain in some sort of really preposterous way of killing them that's kind of how I see most Bond movies being structured oh and they have to tell their whole plot before (laughs) they gotta do the monologue (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's like I, I was kind of going to skip that bit over just because that's kind of a given that the the bad guy in every Bond movie tells Bond exactly how he's going to die before <laughs> Bond escapes it. <laughs> and it's true for most of the movies. I mean, you can't deny it. They have so many different movies where it's just like, oh, oh, uh, Mister Bond, I'm going to explain to you the full details about my plot, every way that you can possibly undo the plot here's uh all the like specifications of the bomb that i'm planting or whatever mm-hmm. by the way i'm also going to feed you dinner and be very nice to you because i have to be a gentleman uh in the process of doing this so let me give you fresh new clothes and here's some fancy wine and we'll tour my my villainous lair and then i'm going to leave you in this trap that you can get out of bye <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. i'm Honestly, one of the things that I'm low-key looking forward to the most, having not seen a huge amount of Roger Moore ones, but knowing enough about the Roger Moore movies, is how many camera cuts they're going to be from the stunt double that's running around as James Bond as Roger Moore <laughs> and actually Roger Moore's <laughs> face appearing as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's a running theme. Uh, if you watch any Roger Moore film in particular, the ski sequences are very much like, yeah, that's not Roger Moore. Like, just not the slightest bit. Because they got away with it a little bit on the uh, Connery side, because they used to do, like, the rear projection type stuff. used to not look as bad in comparison. But once you get into the Moore era, it's way too obvious at that point that they could have figured out another way to get around that, and they still were using, like, the rear projection and everything. So it gets better with Dalton. And obviously, you know, they've got, cgi and stuff when it comes to like brosnan onward but man the more stuff is funny as hell because the older he gets the more his sandy blonde hair comes out and the more you just get a couple guys that are just sort of like that couldn't possibly be roger moore and you're just passing it off as that it's funny I kind of look at Bond films. I, I wrote up a whole thing before. If you want to check it out, anybody, I'm not going to break it down here, but it's the seven ingredients to making a perfect James Bond film. I wrote that up last year at some point, or uh, where is it at? Uh, April of last year, yeah. Where, in my mind, each Bond film follows a certain pattern, or it should at the very least. Uh, kind of like what Callum was saying, you start off with an opening uh, sequence. To me, it's horrible if you don't start off with the the gun barrel. Uh, that's one of the biggest issues that I've had with the Craig films. You start off with the gun barrel, you go to the opening title sequence, um, 
it might have to do with the film. It might not set up a theme. I like the Bond themes that are more along the lines of Skyfall or uh, The World is Not Enough or Diamonds Are Forever. I like the ones that are more like that rather than the ones like You Know My Name. Great song, but if it's too rock, it doesn't feel like it's Bond as much. And I'll tell you right now, one of the most controversial opinions I'm going to have here, I am not the biggest fan of Live and Let Die compared to a lot of other people. The theme, the movie, different story. Um, I, I think you need the sexy Bond girl who is like the femme fatale. I think you need the good Bond girl. I think you need the Bond girl who dies in pretty much all the movies in some fashion. It sounds kind of mean to say, but the sacrificial lamb is a good part of these. I prefer the henchman to be like Odd Job or Mr. Hanks or Jaws. Uh, I like that whole, I wouldn't say campiness to it, but I like a little bit of camp in the movies. I don't know if that's something that like you guys are leaning more one way more to the uh, either side about. It, it's something that I'm looking forward to in the Moore movies, just because that is essentially what Moore is well known for in terms of his his history as, as Bond. It's something that I don't think you need to have. I like some. I I mean, I'm a fan of Daniel Craig as Bond, just because I like the grittiness that they have in it, and that the humor is a bit more subdued. Whereas in Moore, it's just going to be all over the place. And, but I'm looking forward to that as well because it's going to be a bit of a... I like the fact that the Bonds they play are different from each other. It's not one guy... It's not different guys trying to play the same actor. It's the same role constantly. So I appreciate that side of it. So I'm going to look forward to the campiness when it happens, but I'll probably get a little bit done with it by the middle of the, the Moore series. <laughs> there's, a, there's a shot in Moonraker. I think it's going to make you go, oh, come on. Uh, the older the film, the more accepting of camp I will be because it's kind of how it goes, you know? And I'm sure a lot of it will be enjoyable to just look back on and go, oh, man, they they must have thought this was the greatest thing ever at the time, and this looks <laughs> like shit. Oh, it's funny because you would think that the older you, you go, the campier it would get. But the Connery ones, like, there's this weird bell curve. The Connery ones are real serious for a lot of it. Not as serious as like the the Craig ones are by far the most serious because he's, you know, uh, the grit is like the main selling point for him. And Living Daylights and License to Kill, particularly License to Kill, is a darker movie. But it's more who really, more and then Brosnan, who lean more into the, the campiness of things. So if you're more like... Um, I guess if you if you are a fan of the films and you haven't seen all of them, of course, obviously, if I'm talking to people who've seen them all, you know what you're talking about. But if like uh, a Tomorrow Never Dies or a Roll is Not Enough on the Brosnan side is more of what you like, then I think that you would like more of the Roger Moore era and not dig as much of like From Russia With Love. Whereas if you're more into like the spy genre, From Russia With Love is going to be like a top tier type of thing. And then something like Die Another Day is just absolutely atrocious, <laughs> you know? It, it has its atrocious moments no matter what, though. Um, I like a, a healthy balance. I like my Bond to do quips. And I, of course, appreciate puns in so many different forms. So if a Bond isn't jokey, it's kind of too sullen for me. But I don't like it when it's particularly like that one shot in Moonraker I'll get to when we get to the movie um, where it just goes over the top. I don't, for instance, at all think that they should have named one of these movies Octopussy. <laughs> like, just, I don't know why. Yeah, that, I don't know what they're thinking about that, especially considering the fact that there's obviously the, it's more typical to have the name of the, the Bond movie in the title, in the title song. So in the theme song, you would say like like live and let die or uh, the world is not enough or anything of those ills. I don't think they were ever considered like trying to sneak sneak the word octopusy <laughs> into into a Bond theme song. I don't know how you would ever do it. 
Like, I mean, they managed to get fucking Moonraker and Fundable into Bond movies, <laughs> Bond songs. And th- trust me, those Bond songs are not the best Bond songs in particular because they just, how like that sounds like you've just crowbarred words that should never ever be in any song whatsoever into <laughs> into into theme songs. But yeah, I think Octopussy was a step too far for them. For the record, the Thunderball and Moonraker, those lyrics make no sense whatsoever. Goldeneye, for that matter, in some ways too, they just speak about this like person. But who's the person? Like Thunderball gets into uh he knows the meaning of success. Like a thunderball. Like, what? What's a thunderball? <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, Charlie yeah, Bassey's just sh- like the moon raker goes. What like it's the like, it's, it's like spaceship? Like she's trying to it's like she's trying to sing about the moon, so it's like just like the moon, and then she just has to throw the word raker in there, and <laughs> yeah. just because. <laughs> Tina Turner and Goldeneye is talking about you'll never know how I watched you from the shadows as a child. Ugh. The satellite, <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of. Well, yeah, it's also it's just weird because of the Shelley Bass thing again. I'm going a bit too hard on the theme song side of it right now, but that's the thing that I'm most familiar with in the Bond series. Just. Like Shirley Bassey's previous Bond song was Diamonds Are Forever, which is an awesome song. And but in that one, she talks about how she's like she just needs diamonds, she doesn't need a man or anything along those lines because men are untrustworthy. Untrust, and then the Moonraker song is about how she's searching for love all the time. It's like make up your yeah. mind, Shirley Bassey. Like what you do? <laughs> Bassey did a uh, Goldfinger, which is one of the best, and it, it makes sense. It's talking about the guy Goldfinger and whatever. Uh, she did Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for um, Thunderball, which was not the theme that they used, although they use it in the movie in different ways. Uh, she did Diamonds Are Forever. She did uh, Moonraker. She's done uh, some other songs in the meantime that have been like rejected Bond themes and everything, but she's all over the place when it comes to that. Diamonds Are Forever, one of my favorite Bond themes, too. It's very underrated. Uh, Dr. No, of course, doesn't have its own theme. So when we do that, it's going to be a little bit weird. Um, It does have two other songs in the movie, though, and they're not they're not good. Um, I am a huge fan of uh, one aspect of the series that I think is odd uh, at this point in time is uh, the whole idea of the Bond girls. Um, To me the variety of bond girls that that are out there is something that is actually one of the benefits of the series, because if you look at an older era, there's a lot of things that don't hold up as well. And that's just kind of a product of their time. Like it's not fun to see like Connery slap a woman these days. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt that like back then they were more accepting of that. And that's not, you know, to make light of it or to make an excuse for it, but it's sort of like, I don't like that anymore. Um, Certain bond girls stand out to me. Certain ones are really terrible too. I don't think that anybody's going to have any kind of issues. Um, Crapping on Denise Richards character from the world's not enough. For instance, Dr. Christmas Jones is never going to last, uh, be at the top of a list or something. But as far as like the bond girls go, is there any like, um, definitive bond girls that come to your mind? If somebody says like, Oh, a bond girl, like what would you think of before we get into the series? I think there's the, the two that stand out to me most are, um, pussy galore. Obviously, there's the name. It's obviously, but she comes across when in the things I've seen that she comes across as very strong, strong-willed, mm-hmm. and more independent than a lot of the Bond girls. So I appreciate that side of it. The other one's Vesperlin, and that's like just, just like just because it's Casino Royale, and that was one that I was most familiar with. And it's just she comes across as like a real fleshed-out character, which is, can be said a lot more than some of the Bond girls in the series. I've already said that uh, Casino Royale is the one I'm most familiar with, so I'm going to agree with Callum, but I do want to give a shout out to Pussy Galore for inspiring <laughs> such character names as Ivana Humphalot in the Austin Towers series. Oh, it's a lot of China as well. Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of China. and Felicity Ivana Shagwell Humphalot. and... Uh... Fook me and Fook you. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just watched Goldmember yesterday, and it holds up. Arguably the best line in Goldmember. Uh, how about no, you crazy Dutch bastard? <laughs> just that <laughs> comes out of nowhere. That were uh, uh, there's only uh, was it two things that I'm intolerant of? Uh, yeah. Or that, people, people, are... people that people that uh, discriminate against persons like behavior and stuff like culture that. culture and, and, the, and the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, first, Austin Powers is still my favorite though. Why was um, Michael Caine never like prominently in like Bond lore and stuff like that? He would have made a good, yeah. made a good Bond early on. There's certain people that really should have been in Bond films. I mentioned in other series, uh, not series, other podcasts. That I still think that Sting could do a good Bond theme. I still think that um, if they had like the right script to go with certain things, certain uh, actresses could have been a really good Bond girl at different time frames. I think it's kind of past the point for some people. Like um, at this point, it wouldn't work for Angelina Jolie, for instance. Uh, but like Michael Caine should have been like an M or something. At the very least. Yeah, I don't think you would have worked as a Q. Just with that accent. Hmm. Just a bit it's just a bit too cockney over the top. Yeah. Sort of, Michael Kane. Oh, I bond, I just uh just just got you a little bit of a um I mean to be fair, it was like a it was um Alfred in Batman, so maybe he could have worked as a Q. But uh, he just seems like a little bit too like if you would hear his voice saying that he's created a gadget, you'd probably expect it to blow up after like two yeah. minutes in or whatever. <laughs> He'd refer to it as a gadget, like that kind of thing. Where you'd be like, oh, okay, wow, he's he's wrenching that in there, <laughs> you know. He uh, he's somebody that should have been in one of those movies at some point. That he still could. I mean, you know, he could pop up as like some kind of financier in some movie or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Um. So at least like a general perspective, we've talked about the idea of like, how are you approaching the Bond girls? How are you approaching the um, the theme songs and the Bonds and whatever, as far as the gadgets go? Uh, are you more along the lines of the ideas of the, the wackier type of gadgets? Like they make fun of it in Skyfall. He says, uh, Q says, oh, were you expecting an exploding pen? And for me, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, kind of. There's a there's a level of getting too far for me when you get to a particular submarine and octopusy, and um, there's like a little too bland with the Craig era where it's pretty much just here's a GPS tracking thing of some sort. They did it in like three of the five movies. I don't really know why that's the only thing that they can do these days. But if you think like of a Bond gadget. Is there anything that comes to your mind? I prefer things that aren't too wacky. If I want wacky gadgets, I can watch Inspector Gadget. And, you know, <laughs> like, that's not what we're doing here. So I, I like things that are relatively possible for real life. I mean, I wouldn't mind an exploding pen in real life, but, you know, not what I'm necessarily looking for here. A Parker Jotter is the name of those pens. Yeah, when I'm thinking of the uh, when I'm thinking about the Bond ones, like the one that stands out to me is the um, uh, like ejector seats from the cars and stuff like that. That's always just like seems like a pretty big deal. Um, was the one with the um, oh, it was it was something that he gave. They were fighting underwater with some guy. It was Roger Moore. It was a Roger Moore movie, and he's fighting underwater with some guy, and he puts something in his mouth, and the guy inflates, <laughs> and he flies up to the. <laughs> He flies at the sky and explodes. Like that's the um, the compressed air bullet. See, that's right. very Inspector Gadget to me. Like I don't know if we need that. Oh, it's gonna get but worse then, when you see how he explodes. Yeah, but then it's the um, but it's actually in terms of a gadget, it's not really a gadget because it's not a bomb thing. But the one that stands out to me is um, Odd Jobs hat. Yeah, the uh, razor trimmed hat. Yeah, because that seems like again, it's absurd. But I like the fact that that's like his his calling card. It's like the golden gun and stuff like that. It's just like this is odd. This is an odd job. He has a a hat that can sever you in two. Essentially, that's I, I kind of like elements like that. That is actually that's a good transition to talk about the villains too because I mentioned before, Odd Job is one of my favorite henchmen. I like Jaws. I like when somebody's got a bit of a gimmick to them. My preference 
is to have a series of villains where one of them's like the the femme fatale, one of them is the the Blofeld type, like the one that the, the puppeteer kind of pulling all the strings. I like the big hulking gimmicky henchmen. And I like it when they've got some kind of a deformity. <laughs> it sounds really mean to say, but a lot of people over the years have gotten into this idea that like that shouldn't be a thing because if something's got something wrong with them, then that's kind of like saying, oh, deformities are evil, which is like, that's not what they're trying to say. They're just trying to say, look how menacing this person looks because of, you know, one of the characters is weeping blood in one of the movies. It's like, what the fuck's that mean? You know, um, Blofeld's got a scar over his eye or this person's got like, you know, one of the characters in one of the movies has webbed uh, hands because <laughs> why not? Um, is there any kind of like um, general consensus Bond villain type of things you're approaching this uh, before we start getting into? God, I didn't know that we had that kind of in one of those movies. Uh, I think big goofy henchmen I am looking forward to as well as a femme fatale character because that seems to be the perfect match for Bond, even more than, you know, the one who's pulling all the strings that's going to tell you the whole plan. It seems like he would be best taken down by, you know, the girl behind it all. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to see like the big hulking one, as you say. I, I like to see a variety, as you've mentioned, Tony. But like, I'm a huge fan of Le Chiffre from Casino Royale. I just think that he just exudes so much. He feels like he's an equal to Bond throughout the movie. So I want to see, hopefully get to see some villains that look like they have Bond's number to a degree. Because it's the issue with things like Blofeld early on. You just look at him and just go, yeah, you're no match for James Bond, actually. Because <laughs> yeah. you can have all these henchmen. If these henchmen kill him, then great. But if he actually gets to you, then you're fucked. That's like, that's the, the situation that I see with that. But maybe that's just on like, impression alone just the way that he looks but i feel like i want to see I, I think i'll end up enjoying the ones where i feel like the villain the main villain is somebody who is matching bond or seems to know a bit more about bond than others potentially do so my assessment from you guys and i'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out i'm thinking for instance bond villain wise and I, I don't know which ones. Uh, I, I actually, you know what? Before, um, actually, no, we'll do we'll do this this way instead. I don't know which movies that you guys have seen yet. I know that you've mentioned like you've seen Casino Royale, so I know that that's one of them. But like, I don't know for a fact which ones you guys have seen. So, um, we'll round it out with that kind of a thing. Um, I'm guessing, for instance, that callum's not going to be a fan of like elliot carver from tomorrow never dies for instance and it's going to be more along the lines of liking francisco scaramanga from the man with the golden gun potentially yeah rob I, i'm I thinking is going to be more fond of probably early roger moore like live and let die to a certain extent. Hmm. I think that you're going to like the campiness before it gets a little too silly, but there's a certain level of silliness that I think you're going to like more than one of the ones like, um, like Thunderball's kind of blah. <laughs> like I'm imagining that a lot of people aren't really going to be super into the Thunderball side of things, but I'm expecting, for instance, like the the Bond girl side of things too, uh, that there's going to be a lot more positives for the types that are like Pam Bouvier from License to Kill and less of Tatiana Romanova from, from Rush With Love. Um, I think we're all going to uh, just ream Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I think that's going to be the most shocking one for uh, for Rob, in particular, is Diamonds Are Forever. Hmm. Well, it's something that you feel like it's going to be good from the start, and then it gets really bad. Because Diamonds is a weird movie. <laughs> Diamonds right. is weird. Um, I like weird. I can get behind weird. 
And if I'm guessing favorite movies, hmm. I think that you'll both probably still end up having Casino Royale really high. Mm-hmm. I think if there's going to be a surprise, like I didn't think I'd like that one as much as I did. I think Callum might be more along the lines of From Russia With Love and Rob might be more along the lines of Tomorrow Never Dies. Actually, now no, I'm maybe really the world's curious. not enough. Now I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, I'm going to say the world's not enough, actually, instead for you. I think that that's going to be one that you're really going to be like, I actually really like this one, kind of. So then, as far as like the movies that you did see, because I don't know, uh, which ones have you guys seen? Um, all the Daniel Craig's and Goldeneye. So I have seen, just getting the list up here, just on double check. So I've seen uh, Skyfall, Quantum of Solace, and Casino Royale from the Bond series. I haven't actually watched Spectre yet. I've seen uh, Die Another Day, uh, Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Goldeneye from the Brosnan one. I don't think I've seen The World Is Not Enough yet. I've seen Octopussy. Uh, Living that die, and I'm trying to remember if I've seen any of the like um, Connery ones. I think I've seen bits and pieces from the Connery ones. I don't think I've watched one in its entirety yet, though. So that's about it for me. Mm. <laughs> I'm really interested to see what you guys do with Diamonds Are Forever because that one in particular is just fucking bonkers. Another uh, day, the one with uh, Halle Berry. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I watched that one in um they did that one as like a uh, for some reason put that on in like as a school movie. Like just watch <laughs> in a classroom while we while we weren't like remember one of those things like towards the summer where no one's actually doing any work, so you just put a movie on instead. So just yeah. put on Die Another Day. Just like, oh yeah, let's just watch like Halle Berry and Pierce Brosnan just roll around in bed sheets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like... they don't uh take a second to knock it into the innuendo in that scene too yeah i know it's ridiculous like they literally meet and it's just like so you got a big dick <laughs> kind of thing it's sort of <laughs> yeah it, i think that's kind of like again i can't say for certain because i haven't watched all of them in their entire stuff like that but it feels like when you get towards the end of someone's run as bond you start seeing that sort of stuff crop up a little bit more mm-hmm. because it's just a case of okay this guy's not returning so let's have a bit of fun with it yeah, Dalton's the only one that doesn't run into that rut because he only did two. So. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah. But even uh, Lazenby is kind of like, you're already in that rut. It's weird. But the Dalton one does already take a bit of a departure because when you, again, again, haven't watched news, but like, just based on the themes alone, when you hear license, uh, Living Daylight, it's just so heart pumping and just like, it's such a really like energetic and uh, it's more typical of a Bond movie in terms of what I would imagine from a theme, and then you hear License to Kill, and you just go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's a good song on repeat listening to it, but when you just, if you're just listening to the two back-to-back, you just go, what the fuck happened? Like, that just changed Bonds halfway through, like, this isn't Timothy Dalton, or Timothy Dalton changed halfway through, or something like that, it's just weird. A lot of people don't like License to Kill, and it's legit one of my absolute favourites. It's either my number two or my number three favourite. And I oh, think it's... good, it's just, it's such a departure from... The Living Daylights. Oh, I mean, I mean the movie in general. Like uh, oh, right, yeah. the song, I really love too. But the a lot of people don't like License to Kill because it. That's the first movie that got PG thirteen out of the ratings, and some people are like, "This is too dark. It's too gritty. Too many people die. It's very eighties. It's even scored by Michael Kamen, who did like Lethal Weapon. So you get this very Lethal Weapon kind of vibe to it. So there is a variety of this movies. I mean. For much with love and Goldfinger and Thunderball and all that, do feel like completely different types of movies from something like For Your Eyes Only, even though that's more along those lines than Spy Who Loved Me. And then you got like, there's a big departure between License to Kill and The Living Daylights. There's a big difference between Die Another Day and Casino Royale. So I think that this series is one of the ones that you can binge and not feel like you're exhausted of it in some ways but there's a lot of crossover too so it's gonna be fun to see how you guys react to some of these because you guys are going to be kind of um 
experiencing a big timeline in a short amount of time and just kind of being like, what's the whirlwind when it comes to some of these things? Uh, Uh, The only thing I can compare it to is I watched all of the Star Wars films before uh, the start of the sequel trilogy, and that was quite the jump going from, (laughs) you know, episode four to finally episode uh, three. And that's a weird thing to say, but uh, (laughs) it's so shocking to me how things changed so quickly. And I'm looking forward to that with this series. If continuity is going to be a thing for you, then you're going to go mad with this one. Oh, no, no. I, I at least know not to expect a lot of like common threads or anything. The first uh, five are in continuity with each other. The sixth one references the other ones, but also isn't. The seventh one says, nah, that other one didn't happen, but it did, but it didn't. Then you start getting into like, this character existed, but would have been 30 years older. (laughs) And then, you know, once you get to Craig, it's absolutely insane. The most uh, recent two, for instance, particular are like, oh, he has the car from Goldfinger. And you're like, so he was an agent in 1960-something? It's impossible, but okay. Um, I guess the thing to wrap it up here for this uh, preliminary edition thing is, uh, what is the other kind of expectations that you got going on? Do you think that you've got anything you're um, looking forward to that we haven't talked about or you're not looking forward to or anything else like that? I wish I would have watched these sooner because I'm worried that a lot of the antics I'm going to immediately be like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. I like really have to get into the mindset of the time so that I don't constantly find myself going, wow, how'd they do that and get away with that and just enjoy the films for what they are. Also, I will say, and you'll appreciate this, Tony, because you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm excited to see Roger Moore in a film that is not, Spice World. So, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and, again, get myself, like Rob says, into the mindset of just trying to take these movies, try and put them in some sort of context, because my biggest worry is watching the first movies with Sean Connery and stuff like that and just not thinking they're particularly strong or anything along those lines, because you have to deal with the very limited special effects, the very limited... Um, I feel like I'm going to get annoyed when he's like the way that people talk about women or do stuff with women and stuff like that in that thing. It's going to, it's going to be like thinking of like saying, okay, that happened in that time. We're in a different time now. It's all fine. And that sort that sort of thing. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to get a strange amount of enjoyment out of the Roger Moore ones. And I'm hoping that I do. I'm hoping that they don't disappoint me. It, I mean, they're going to disappoint me in terms of actual quality, but I'm hoping that that's the case, really. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that I just watch all of those movies and just go. I'm almost, I'd almost be disappointed if one of them's good. That's kind of what my, my attitude <laughs> going into those ones is. Because I, 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 saw, I saw bits and pieces of like Roger Moore in his uh, like later years doing some, like, p- appearing on some, like, some comedy programs in the, on the BBC and stuff like that. And he's very, he's very, very charismatic as just a guy goes like he's incredibly charismatic but he's also has that strange bit of like the very british foppishness about him and i'm kind of hoping that just is cons- consistently projected across all his movies so i've mentioned before i've seen all the movies at least three times a piece i think the one that i've seen the least is maybe dr no uh i have my favorites i have my least favorites i i I typically don't revisit the ones that I don't like all that much because obviously why would I, but I have over the years gained new uh, appreciation for some of the ones that I wasn't as big of a fan of and some of the other ones don't hold up as much. So generally speaking, I'm curious to see which ones that I don't revisit. I actually might end up liking more. For instance, for your eyes only has never been one of my favorite ones but I haven't seen it in at least a good 10 years. Uh, the low rank ones for me, actually, I let me bring up my, uh, my ranking. Cause I did a tier list on the, the side one time. Uh, I kind of think more along the lines of 
For Your Eyes Only is one of the ones that's very, very low. Um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is very, very low for me. I know a lot of people really, really love those, but that's just not one of the ones that I'm as uh, as keen on. Dr. No, I'm not really into super well. Uh, I don't hold uh, Octopussy super high up on the list. And I actually rewatched it not too, too long ago, so that one's kind of fresh in my mind. But um, there's mid-range ones, there's whatever. Uh, out of all the ones that I'm the most interested in checking out again, it's probably for your eyes only. But then again, every time that I watch You Only Live Twice, I get an appreciation for some stuff, and some stuff I go, wow, that's terrible. God, that's terrible. Why did they do that? Like the, uh, you know, in Japan, uh, women come second, men come first. And you're like, nah, you know, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how this goes. Uh, what we're going to be doing here is we're going to try to knock out a couple in advance. We're doing this well in advance. We're recording this on like the 4th of January. So um, I don't know when we're going to actually publish this and what the publishing schedule is going to be. It might change based off of the projected release of no time to die because if that ends up being pushed later we might release these one a week or if it ends up being april 2nd like they're saying i might try to release like three per week or so kind of all depends but we're going to try to knock out them in sessions so if you want to watch these movies with us i don't know how you're going to be able to necessarily pull that off but <laughs> hopefully that will be uh something you could do too um and hopefully you enjoy the ride too. Uh, I don't think that there's anything else that I want to talk about the on this kind of side of things because this is just a preamble of sorts. So um, I guess round it out with some plugs. Uh, check out the merchandise shops, T Public and Redbubble. Check out everything else that's happening on FanboysAnonymous.com. Check out some Markout Moment for the pro wrestling side of things. Follow me at Tony Mango. Follow these guys on their social media accounts and check out what they're doing as well. Callum. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at WigWise14. I don't really have too much to offer on the fanboy side of things because this is obviously my first time being here, but I have plenty more to offer on the Smart Cat Moment side of things, um, the Smack Talk channel as well. So, yeah, on the Smack Talk side of things for the podcast, you can check out uh, Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast where me and Rob go back in time to the year 2003 and just um, review all the episodes of Smackdown that Paul Heyman was the head writer for. So there'll be Plenty of episodes coming up. Obviously, don't know what time this is going up, so I can't preempt it. Saying what the important thing be... is, there's a playlist of all the episodes. Yeah, so you can go all the way back to the beginning. If you are a big wrestling fan, you enjoy the years 2002 and 2003. There's a big playlist of all those episodes on there, so you can check all those out and fill your nostalgia void in that way as well. Uh, other than that, yeah, just follow me on Twitter on week at Weekmeister14, and that's it from me. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Dude Fleece. Check out everything. We're doing over at Fightful.com, Fightful Select, Fightful Gaming. Hopefully, by the time this airs, we've gotten some new interviews out there. I'm working on some interviews for the gaming side of things. And yeah, thank you for your support. And I've been looking forward to diving headfirst into the world of Bond. And yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's it, everybody. So just stay tuned because this podcast will return with Dr. No. Mm -hmm.